Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I am here with the one, the only Robbie Eagles, Sniper of the Skies. You see him on New Japan Pro Wrestling. You see him in PWA. You see him all over the world, and uh, he's teaming again with Tiger Mask for uh, Super Junior Tag League, which we're going to get into. Um, but first of all, Robbie, how are you doing on this fine, I guess, yours is Thursday. Day. Correct. I'm in the I'm in the future. So uh, uh, just let me know what uh, what lottery numbers you want me to predict, and I'll send them your way. That's great. Um, which I have yet to play the lottery, so I think I'll take you up on that offer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the biggest question to get out of the way, because I saw some stuff on Twitter that apparently, are you or are you not in chaos anymore? <sighs> Uh, yeah, look, uh, that was all just a bit of a joke just because of the way that the tweet was worded. Um, no, I'm still in chaos. I'm still a member of chaos. And I think it's because of the, it is a little confusing for some people, but there's a relationship between Hontai, the new Japan home team and chaos. Mm -hmm. And that's been existing since about 2019. So we can kind of, uh, I guess like cross over with each other's units. So that's why you've got myself and tiger mask. He's on the Hontai side, I'm on that, and we're making this crossover team. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Leo Rush is a new member of Chaos, and he's representing with Yo. So I don't know it was a little bit of jealousy, but also you know just playing with the fans on Twitter and poking the bear as I like to do every now and then. I totally saw that, and I was the same way too. I was like, "What is happening? This is so weird." Uh, so that's why I had to like ask, and I guess I got the exclusive guys. So you know, everything is okay. Because uh, I was gonna follow it up with, um, you know, did you have like Okada on speed dial to be like, "Hey, am I still good, Okada?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I just kind of like play it by ear, to be honest. And I just wait until I see the boys again, and we have our little chaos meetings, and I'm like, "Are we good? Yep, we'll we'll be fine." No one said out otherwise, so. Um... And the last time I was around them all in a group setting, I went glamping with them. So I think I'm in a pretty secure spot. And what is glamping? I'm guessing you guys went out to go eat or something. We, so it's actually Yano every year or so does like a, a special DVD where he takes kind of all, all of chaos to a bit of an adventure or something. And they film the day or the weekend and produce a DVD out of it. And I was actually in Japan at the time. So they said, hey, do you want to come glamping? So I guess it's glamorous camping um and uh yeah so we had these really nice pre-set up tents we went to a, a kind of like i guess rural farming ish kind of area um maybe two hours outside of tokyo and uh, i had no idea what was going on the entire time as the only foreigner in the group and my japanese is not super good uh but uh -huh. it was it was a fun time so we uh we, we picked some potatoes we got to feed some animals we ziplined uh we started fires and we cooked a big barbecue and had some drinks so it was just an all-around good time that sounds amazing uh usually whenever i like talk about yano or, or review yano he's usually like cheating in his matches so to hear this side where he's taking out everybody and having a good time i'm like all right yano okay you know, <laughs> I'll give him yeah, the thumbs up for that. He look, he looks after us. He really does. And uh, I think people can still catch it on replay on New Japan World. Uh, it's like an exclusive pay-per-view, so it should still be up there. All right. I'll, I'll check it out. I'm a member of uh, New Japan World, so, you know, I'll check it out. Um, so now that we got that out of the way and that settled, um, let's talk about Australia for a little bit because, you know, I know nothing as much, you know, about Australia and, like, I don't think much Americans do and then we make fun of certain things here and there um so like what are three top things that stand out in Australia 
Oh man, as a country as a whole, that's like a very hard question. I mean, look, if you're looking at stereotypical things, uh, you got to try Vegemite because I personally don't like it, but it is a very authentic Australian taste. And, you know, it's, it's something that lots of people go to when they think of Australia straight away. Um, I think our beaches are second to none. We have some of the most beautiful, pristine beaches, especially like if you go up north to Queensland, which is the northern state, and that's where the Great Barrier Reef is. So stuff like that is incredible. I've done that once before and I'm overdue for going back. Uh, and then thirdly, I think it's just the people, which is kind of like what we touched on with Chinwag. Now, if anyone's yeah. ever spoken to or met Adam Brooks, then they'll know what I'm talking about when I mention a bogan, which is Australia's version of a redneck, I guess. Um, and there's plenty of them around and they're very interesting people to meet. They're very friendly people, but they are very uh -huh. interesting as well. I guess it'd be the same thing. Like, you know, us having rednecks, you know, they're very interesting people. Um, you know, they're very probably caring and stuff like that. Um, my brain like really wants to go into like all of the weird, like colloquial things. Cause like, this is just, <laughs> this is it's really interesting and stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll eventually like bounce around with like, you know, weird stuff here and there, but, um, you know, in Australia, it is like super big. I think that if I'm correct, it could fit into like Texas and stuff like that for like over here for like sizes. Um, so the interesting thing that I wanted to touch on is that, um, when you were fighting uh TJP back in best of the super juniors, um, you know, you had mentioned that like you're, you're half Filipino, right? Mm -hmm. So, right. uh, do you mind giving us like a backstory that like your parents like come over to Australia and they were like, we go, we're going to settle here. Or like, did you was born in like, I guess the Philippines and then like came over. Like how did that? Yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's my background. That's a little less known um, to the public, but uh, my mom is originally from the Philippines. She migrated to Australia and uh, she met my dad here in Australia. And then, uh, you know, Robbie Eagles was born. So I was born in Australia. Um, okay. When I was first born, I did spend a couple of months, I think maybe three or four months in the Philippines um, right after I was first born. And then we went back when I was maybe like two years old for a little bit. But I have no retaining memory of any of those trips uh, just because I was so young. So the only thing that I do recognizes any photos and pictures that like my mom has kept from those times. But I got to go back in 2020, right before the pandemic really started. And it was really nice to connect with my other homeland and kind of experience uh -huh. it as an adult as well. Cause obviously I've been told lots of stories, but don't have any memory of it. So to go back in 2020 was really special and hopefully the way things line up, I'll be back there soon enough. I appreciate you uh, sharing that story with us. Um, I'm sort of in the same boat as well too. Like my dad, like uh, migrated or immigrated over here. So he came from Italy and I was born over here to Italian and like Puerto Rican uh, parents. So like, it's almost the same way too, where like, I don't really know too much about like Italy, but one day I want to go over there and, um, you know, go visit and stuff like that. Um, do you have a favorite Filipino dish? Ooh. I do, and it's probably one of the most unhealthy ones to have, and it's called sisig, which I'm pretty sure is just like fried pork. It's like a variation of fried pork, uh -huh. and you have it over rice. It's delicious. I love it. Um, but I found through my adult years, because when I was a kid, I was a very fussy eater, and I wouldn't uh. eat 
anything that wasn't super bland, super plain, or like a cheeseburger from McDonald's. So as I grew up, um, I started experiencing new things. So I like grew an affinity for sushi, which is funny because my life would take me to Japan. And then uh, I would like just start trying new foods and be a bit more adventurous. And then I started really diving into Filipino foods. And it was on that trip in 2020. I asked the guys that were looking after me when I was there wrestling. I said, hey, at least once I just want to go to like, doesn't have to be high class, doesn't have to be low class, doesn't have to be street food, whatever you guys want to do. But let's just go to an authentic kind of Filipino restaurant or diner so I can try a bit of everything. And they did that on my very first night and I was in heaven. I was just trying pieces of like we had it family style where everyone was sharing and yeah. I was trying pieces of everything and it was also delicious. Um, I don't have many Filipino restaurants near me where I live in New South Wales here in Australia. So I've got to kind of like go out of my way to try and find them or find the good ones. But I am overdue uh -huh. to um, dive back into the dishes. Cool. Uh, you brought up Japan and sushi. So like besides sushi, is there anything else in Japan that you like have to go eat once you get like once you get there? I mean, staple for us in New Japan is pepper lunch. It's very common. It's uh, a chain of like, uh, I guess, hot plate steak restaurants. Yeah. Um, there's mm -hmm. a few of them here in Australia. And I think there is a couple in the US as well. Yeah. Very, I very iconic, especially in Tokyo. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just meat and rice. It's, you, you can't beat that. So that's, that's always on the list whenever I'm there, whether I'm there for a short time or a long time. And then I like to end my tours with, so I kind of like save sweets right until the end because otherwise I just go down like a really bad rabbit hole. And, you know, I just, I stop like almost gouging myself on like too many sweets if I have one. And so they have uh, what's called taiyaki, which is a fish shape mm. pastry. And it usually has like red bean paste or custard or chocolate or some sort of cream in the middle. That's, that's something that I really go out of my way. Once like my tour is finished, I know I can go off my diet for a day or two. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll search out for some good taiyaki. Um, how strict is your diet? It's uh, stupidly strict, actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, when I'm on the road, it's, it's not as strict because it's a little more difficult to stay as strict as I would be when I'm here at home. Um, obviously, when I'm at home, I can just prep my own meals or go out of my way to find the healthiest, healthiest option to when I'm out and about kind of thing. Whereas when you're on the road in Japan, you kind of like, you don't know how long until the next stop on the bus. Mm. So you kind of have to like time your meals or time what you eat. And then sometimes you don't know what you're going to have as like a, you know, selection of choice. So mm. you kind of just hope for the best and pick something that you think is not going to hurt you down the line. So do you carry like snacks? Does everybody carry like snacks with them? A lot of us do. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll go to the convenience stores and grab like a bag before we get on the bus or at one of the stops that we first make along the way, if we're traveling for say six, eight, 10 hours, and we'll put some snacks in there. And I generally, whenever I leave Australia to go to Japan for a tour, whether it's again, short time or long time, I'll bring some stuff from home. Um, uh -huh. and the intention is always to like make it last, but the, yeah. the snacks usually are gone by the first week, if not the first couple of days. Are you sharing the snacks with people? No, no. Very rarely do I do that. It's a, <laughs> it's for me. They can sort out themselves. I mean, like when you got people coming from, from the States, for instance, 
the choice is endless in the US for what you can and can't get. Like, it, I think it's incredible the amount of stuff that you can get in the States. So we're a little more limited here in Australia. So if they want something specific, I have had some of the guys ask for specific things from Australia before and I'll bring it over for them. But if they don't ask, I'm not sharing. <laughs> not even like, hey, I think that you might need some. Here you go. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, these are once mine. <laughs> or, once, once or twice, I've been a little bit more you know, gracious in giving some gifts like that. But, you know, generally, <laughs> if I've brought something, it's for me to consume and on my own. Uh, one of uh, one of our chatters uh, in the chat, um, Evelyn, she says sharing is caring. <laughs> yeah, I guess you just got to get me in a caring mood. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, all right. So continuing with, um, you know, Australia, because um, my whole thing is that if I can give more eyes to the Australian like wrestling scene and like Australia in general, then like, you know, that's that's a plus for me, um, because if it wasn't for my buddy, Ben, who has his own podcast and like, well, sort of has his own podcast and talks about Australian wrestling and introduced me to uh, like the Velocities and um, and Aussie Open and whatnot, like. I wouldn't be so enthralled with like Australian wrestling. I'd be like, oh my God, what is this? Right. So he helped me find Australian wrestling through our talks and everything like that. Uh, so I guess we could start with like your background because you debuted in March of 20, uh, 2008, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then I believe that you started with um, Pro Wrestling Australia, that was like your home. For a while. Yeah, yeah. PWA has uh, been my home from the very beginning. Uh, so what attracted you to PWA to start with them? Uh, it was actually a friend of mine that people would probably know better now as Duke Hudson. Um, we yeah. actually linked up back when we were both 15 uh, through things like message boards online. And we, we just both were kind of like, oh, you know, Australian people on like indie wrestling message boards and stuff like that. We connected and it, he had started training a couple years prior to me and uh, he was training under Hartley Jackson at the time and I was finishing high school and he said, hey, uh, I'll ask my trainer who you should go seek out as a trainer in Sydney. Um, there wasn't many options back then in terms of like training schools so PWA was something that's still unknown to me. And then I got recommended to go to the Eagles Wrestling Academy. And I actually found that PWA was putting on a show about 10 minutes from my house. And it like actually freaked me out because I didn't realize that this, this building that I'd been walking past for my whole teen years, because it was kind of where the major shopping complex was, I'd walk past that building several hundred times, I'd have to say, and I never knew that there was ever pro wrestling there. And I walked to that building, watched the show, and then I was just like, yep, this is it. And I waited until I graduated high school, uh, finished off that year. And then in January of 2008, I started training. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Pretty much. Um, did you find anything difficult while you were training? Because every, everything is like brand new. Yeah, look, it, it's, it's always hard. And I talk to people about this now as someone that trains a lot of wrestlers um, currently. It, it's plateaus and it's like, where do you find that roadblock? For mm -hmm. me, a lot of the stuff at the beginning wasn't difficult per se in terms of like picking up some of the techniques. I think on the fitness side of things, I wasn't prepared for like 
how conditioned I had to be to be a pro wrestler. Um, but when it came to learning the techniques, whether it's tumbling, whether it's running the ropes, whether it's the actual moves, I found that all fairly easy, I guess. But it was about eight months in, I started finding that I wasn't progressing. I wasn't getting the new techniques at that point, or I was still stumbling back on some errors that I had made. So I had to overcome that roadblock kind of later on in my career. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was like a challenging point of time because as a young wrestler, I was 18 years old and, you know, I kind of got pushed to the limelight uh, pretty quickly uh, in terms of having matches. I had my first match two months after I started training. Um, That gave me a lot of confidence initially, but then as I got to that, that plateau period where I wasn't getting any better and I couldn't really develop more, I was kind of frustrated and thinking, damn, like why I'm like, I'm doing what the coaches are saying. I'm listening to the instructions. I'm doing exactly that. Why am I still not able to do this? And it's all just, you know, you got to look back at yourself. And I I tell lots of younger wrestlers this to this day, the best thing that they could do is film themselves in training so that they can review it. So that if you feel like I'm getting these instructions from my coaches, I'm doing exactly what they say. But then when I perform whatever the task is, they're telling me I didn't do it right, but I feel like I am. If you film Mm. it and watch it back, you can actually break it down and you can probably see especially in slow motion, you can see what your coaches are telling you. And then you go, oh, okay, I know what they mean now. And then you can work on that a bit better because you've seen it from an outside perspective. I totally get that 100%. Um, Yeah. Um, So when you were like plateauing and like didn't have, I guess, the inspiration, you're like, you know, what can I do to get better? Uh, Did you at any point like go and watch like, any wrestling that you could get your hands on to get that inspiration back to sort of get out of that like rut. I don't know if it was watching anything in particular, because especially back then I was still, I was still an avid viewer for all of pro wrestling. I was really seeking Uh it out and watching as much as possible. I was very young, didn't, didn't have like a real nine to five or anything. So I had no responsibility really. Um, But I think was more being inspired by the others around me and, kind of seeing the scene grow. And even though it was very slowly at that point, 2008 was still like even 2008 to 2010, there wasn't a lot of growth within Australian wrestling, but seeing my friends get better in training and then have matches and then go to have interstate bookings and things like that. I think that's kind of what inspired me more or seeing someone brand new come in that I would kind of, show the beginner's techniques, like maybe hitting the ropes and stuff like that because yeah. the coaches would be like, hey, Robbie, go go show them how to run the ropes so that we can bring the rest of the class up to speed. And I'd be like, okay, cool. So then when you like have a hands-on experience with someone brand new and then you see them kind of perform their first suplex and you go, oh, okay, this is like a really awesome moment. That sort of stuff would inspire me more so okay. than like watching wrestling. Um, but I definitely was, I do remember around... 2009, 2010, so like a year or two after I started, I was very avidly watching Prince Devitt wrestle Mm -hmm. a lot in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he was a guy that I did look to for inspiration heavily. Um, So if I was going to, you know, quote a person or a match, it would have to be one of his. Uh, So which one would be, uh, which one of his matches would be your favorite? I don't know if I have like a standalone favorite. There'd be so many. Like I really liked the matches that he and Taguchi had against the Motor City Machine Guns. I thought that series was really good. 
I'm a big uh, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban fan. Um, so, you know, they, they were two guys that inspired me when I was in my teens, first watching independent wrestling and then going on to watch things like TNA and now Impact. Um, but I think there's a match. So, uh, and this kind of links to my first time in Japan outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, there was a tournament for Zero One Pro Wrestling and it was the the junior heavyweight tournament and prince devitt was actually in it as a representative of new japan and he went on to the finals to wrestle someone that would go on to train me in ikuro hidaka who was a legendary japanese junior heavyweight wrestler and i think their match is actually really really great and it's something that not a lot of people probably would have seen because zero one was a little bit more obscure in terms of japanese wrestling so yep. that's something that I think people should go out of their way to go find because it's something that was like really, really great. And I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaking, it was like either the third match for each of them that night or the third match for them that weekend because they must have done two on one night at some point because of the tournament setting. Yeah, um, I have that like in my notes too. That that was uh, 2012 with the Pro Wrestling Zero One, um, you know, which I guess... I guess it brings me back to my other thing too here that um the year before that you were you debuted for Chikara for um you know the the Young Lion Cup. Uh how did you feel about that? That was really intimidating to be honest. Um it was my first foray into wrestling internationally and I had seen my peers and other people that I had trained with go on and do stuff in the states especially and then you'd watch it on DVD or you'd watch it online youtube clips whatever you could catch it and i'd just be there and again like a bit of jealousy being like damn like i wish i could be in that position and then i just forced it to happen like in 2011 i remember talking to um to the guys at chikara and i was like hey i'd love to come over if there's any opportunities and then they uh they presented me the opportunity to be in the young lions cup and i was like perfect let's do that line it all up i was in the us for two weeks and i got to train at the chikara wrestle factory you know, alongside people like Mike Quackenbush, um, Claudio mm-hmm. Castagnoli and Sarah Del Rey, which I thought were all incredible. Um, and I'm very glad that they were able to give me time to train under them. And, uh, you know, debuting for Chikara was amazing, but that weekend was a little bit cursed because um, I think it was Hurricane Irene had come into the East Coast that weekend. So there was supposed to be two nights and then they had to cancel one night and put it all into one one day instead. Uh, so two nights of a tournament plus all the undercard. Uh, it was like, I can't remember how many. It was like 15 matches, I think. The show started at five and didn't finish till 10. So it was like a long day. Uh, lucky for me, I was in the opener. So okay. I got to experience yeah. the crowd at their like most eager. Um, yeah, yeah. But then, it, but then it was a long time to just, sit backstage and wait but you know it was a great experience i got to wrestle um i got to wrestle some great people i met some great people along the way you know like i i met a lot of the fight club pro guys mk mckinnon Mm -hmm. and trent seven was there funnily enough i didn't know it was him until years later when he brought it up to me in a story uh mark andrews was someone that i connected with at that show and we've been pals ever since um i'm trying to remember some other people andrew everett was there uh that's where i first met orange cassidy because he was backstage um there was a lot of people that i've you know since been in touch with at like since that chikara show oh the young bucks were there as well that was pretty strange yeah they are (laughs) Um, very surreal 
And uh, yeah, so it was, it was, it was a very cool thing to be this little lone Australian in this kind of big environment, especially on that two days put to one day, it just became mm -hmm. a big, a bit of a clusterfuck to be honest, but like, it was, it was like a cool experience and it was a big locker room and it was like a very welcoming locker room too. So I was, I was happy to do that. And I was glad that was my international debut. Yeah. Um, you know, half the time wrestling don't make sense, but it works. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Um, so, uh, while you were at Chikara for this, uh, international event, uh, did you have like the Robbie Eagles, I don't want to call it a gimmick or a character, but did you have that while you were there? Like, yep. I was doing a different, okay. different variation of myself back then though. I was, um, had a pretty poor nickname, which was, uh, heart throbby, Robbie Eagles. And I was, um, <laughs> Coming out wearing out a leather jacket and I wore shades uh -huh. indoors. And uh, my my thing was I would spray myself with like, I guess, Axe body spray you guys have in the States. Yeah. It's the equivalent. Which and so I, I would talk about <laughs> I would talk about how good I smell. Um, so it was uh -huh. just like a a little character thing that I was trying out to to see if it worked. It wasn't something that I, I stuck with in my career, but it was definitely a more notable time in my career. Um when I got to show that more, I guess, cocky, arrogant side to me. Uh, how did you come up with like your character gimmicks, like whatever you wanted to do? Like, what was your thought process behind that? It was all pretty natural, to be honest. Um, it always has been. Uh, the Eagles name was given to me. So being a part of that family was a very easy fit for me. I had something to, to go off. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like a brand new thing that I had to come up with on my own. I had support especially from Madison. She was really great with helping me out. Um, so I guess it was all just kind of things that I liked and enjoyed early on. I was uh, a big kind of like anime Astro Boy kind of fan. And that was like a oh. little joke that was made. So then I used to do like an Astro Boy-esque pose. And I had a t-shirt that had like Astro Boy wearing bandanas on. Um, that was <laughs> my first ever t-shirt that was released. So like I kind of just played into, you know, those things that I connected with and that I liked and whatever came naturally. And then, you know, along the way it would evolve a little bit. Uh, so like I talked about, there was the heartthrobby uh, gimmick yeah, yeah. that was kind of like something different. And then we kind of just blurred into what has become the sniper of the skies. And that's kind of been me for the longest period of time. Um, I always found that my wrestling chops were really good. So in terms of like, actually being able to wrestle uh i i would definitely rank myself amongst the highest in in australia if not the world so um i just went in and went well if i'm a good wrestler then i should come in with that confidence and that kind of fighter's spirit so i i don't bow down to anyone i'm the smaller person in the fight more often than not uh stature and size so i just came in with this real gritty attitude and was just like okay you can knock me down but i'm gonna keep getting up so we kind of just tapped into that. And then that was what you see now, basically just in a, in a more evolved form. That's what I like really love, um, especially watching your matches and reviewing them for like my show and stuff. And then for like my fans to hear about it and they're just breaking it down, like uh, how you go into the match, how you like sort of the, the psychology behind it. I was watching um, you versus uh, Desperado again at a uh, world, uh, yeah. Uh, Grand slam um, at that wrestle kingdom. And I was just like, man, this is so good. <laughs> um, and then um, I did not know that you had a triple threat with uh, Cody Rhodes and um, Will Ospreay. So I went to go watch that match. Um, and I felt sort of bad because like 
Cody at the time was the heel. He was like, the crowd was so into him. And I'm like, well, what about Robbie and, and well, Osprey? But that was amazing. So my question for that one is, how did it feel to be in the ring with Cody Rhodes? That was surreal. That was a surreal moment. Um, when that match got announced, it was part of New Japan's first tour of Australia. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, an opportunity for me. Sorry. I'm just. Oh, it's all good. Someone, dude. Someone's calling me. So I'm just going to hang up. It's, um, it's all good. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So Cody Rhodes. Uh, so yeah, that match got announced for Perth in Australia. And I was just like, okay, this is like a really big opportunity for me. I need to make sure that I don't fuck this up. And I just went into it with open minds do the best that I can. Uh, and you know, Cody was really receptive to ideas. So that was, that was a great position to be in. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's an awesome performer. I think he's someone that, you know, doesn't always get his roses, but he was great on that tour. He really listened to the fans. He knew what they wanted to see. And then being in there with Osprey again, because I had already wrestled him, um, a couple times at that point, it was just great to feed off his energy and his athleticism and wrestling prowess. And actually after that match, I'm not sure if it makes New Japan World tape, but there's a moment after the match where Will and I sit in the ring side by side, and that's when the idea of Birds of Prey first came about. Uh-huh. Uh, we sat next to each other, and Will was kind of like, you know, I might need a tag team partner at some point. What do you think about this? And I'm like, hey, I'm yeah. down. Let's yeah. let's do it. Um, but then, you know, our paths went yeah. different ways, and yeah, um, and that's and that small little part is um, at the end of the at the end of the match, um, so it's there, um, which was really a nice a nice little touch. Um, according to my chat, uh, somebody wants to know. Uh, they say that uh, that you work as a heel, but mainly has been a face. Uh, like, what what do you prefer, um, heel or face? Again, this is for me. It's just what's most natural, um, and I think what you see is what you get. So, me in any other form is not the true me, uh, as much as I think anyway. So, if you prefer me as what people call a baby face, then let's let's roll with that. Because to me, the position I'm in now is me at my most natural, me at my most talented, and that's 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 my preference. I'd rather not force a facade. And okay. uh, have have to go out there and do something kind of that feels like I'm pushing an agenda, I guess, or pushing like a an emotion. Whereas I'd rather just go out there and actually wrestle and just feed off feed off the crowd and feed off the atmosphere and just be myself. Is that why you're no longer a Bullet Club? I mean, it's definitely one of the reasons. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there's a multitude of reasons I could give you. Just let me like roll out the scroll and we'll go through all of them. But no, it was. It was definitely one of the reasons that um, <laughs> when there was a when there was an opening that I saw where I was like, "Hey, I could just I don't have to stay here. I could leave. Fuck these guys." I was like, "Yeah, let's just do that." That wasn't even with a thought that I would jump to chaos. I just thought, you know, if I need to go on my own, I'll go on my own. But I just wasn't fitting uh-huh. in, and it wasn't. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel like I was at home in that unit. So you know, um, I think it was never going to last. Um, one of our other chatters wants to know if you could see yourself working with G.O.D. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if anyone's seen, I think it was on Tama's uh, Instagram <laughs> last, it was either last year or early this year, 
uh, we, were, we were both hanging out and uh, he turned to me and he's like, hey, Robbie, you remember when we were in the Bullet Club? And I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> good times. And then he goes, fuck Bullet Club. And I go, yeah, fuck those guys. So we're, we're pals now. We've buried the hatchet. So if G.O.D. Need, need a helping hand from Chaos, I'm happy to, to offer my services. Good to know. Because, uh, you know, my heart is still broken that Tama got kicked out. So I guess we're all in the same, all in the same boat. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's the one thing that I can hang over Tama's head a little bit is that he was like this big part of Bullet Club. He was such a major player in that group. Uh-huh. And he got kicked out. I left on my own accord. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did. Um, I guess, you know, you can sleep easy. You know, Thomas still being like, I got to go. Tom has to go get revenge still. Um, yeah, I, I remember what that was like for me. I'm I'm over that now. Uh, did you ever want to start your own, uh, like, little team? Oh, I've definitely always had aspirations. Um, I guess similar to what, you know, Will Ospreay's done with the United Empire. I would have... I would have pictured me kind of very similar, actually. You know, before that all happened, I could have seen myself and Will as Birds of Prey going off to do our own thing. And uh-huh. then having Aussie Open join us would have been a natural fit because they're friends of mine as well. Um, and, you know, I think the the big goal for me is, you know, really bringing back spotlight and attention to Australian wrestling. So if it was like a an all-Australian stable, I would have brought people like Mick Moretti. I would have brought... Uh, who else we got? Matt Diamond, my tag team partner here in Australia as part of the Lightspeed Express. The Velocities could come over and be the junior tag. Um, like all that sort of stuff is things that are always kind of like a dream and a, a goal of mine. But other people have beat me to the punch. And, you know, besides Bad Dude Tito, I think TMDK yeah. is already in that all-Australian slot as the unit in New Japan. But that doesn't mean there can't be two. There can definitely be two. Yeah, there can be. Um, I do like the back and forth that uh, you guys have on Twitter and stuff like that, where uh, you were like, hey, am I still in chaos? And then everyone came in and was like, you could like join this team or maybe not this team. It was it was adorable. <laughs> it's one big like family with like you guys for, for the coolest of reasons. Well, you know? everyone took that a little more seriously, Marie, than it needed to be. So, you know, <laughs> it was a joke. Everyone needs to read between the lines on Twitter sometimes. Jeez. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's Twitter. Twitter is Twitter, you know. Um, yeah. All right. Getting back to Australian wrestling, because I do know that I want to really gush over about uh, New Japan Tamashi. Um, so, you know, New Japan Tamashi was, uh, you know, this weekend, which was great. I wish they would have, like, showcased it somehow so I could watch it um, and, like, you know, be part of it. For anyone out there listening and watching, if you don't know what New Japan uh, Tamashi is, it's a new brand that would feature uh, New Zealand wrestlers, Australian wrestlers, and Oceania wrestlers. And I am really excited about it. Um, you know, what was, like, your first initial reaction when New Japan was like, hey, we got New Japan Tamashi now? It was excitement i was excited from the get-go because it's something that i've wanted to happen for a long time especially after that first tour in 2018 and then the subsequent tour in 2019 southern showdown mm-hmm. when they did southern showdown you know i was wrestling in melbourne for the iwgp junior title on the first night against will osprey and there were droves of people that had come out for that event and then we backed it up in sydney the next night and we packed out the roundhouse and it was a, another great event too and it all featured that mix of Australian talent versus some of the world's talent. So it was, it was cool to see those world, those, those lines blur. 
Um, and New Japan Tamashi, I knew was going to have more of that. It was going to be more, I guess, like local talent is, but like it was more Australian. And all right, all right, that's I've, better. I've got you on a different camera, so it's just a slight different setup, but we should be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, whenever, whenever you're ready to talk about Tamashi, right? So yeah. Off. It was like it was like a really cool experience. It was a cool experience to have Tamashi be a brand that's starting here in Australia, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I was just glad that it was going to give opportunities to people like the Velocities, like Mick Moretti, to be on a stage that they normally wouldn't get that opportunity to be on, and to wrestle people that they normally wouldn't get the opportunity to wrestle. Um, it will eventually make air. I don't know how or when or why and all that sort of stuff, but I know that it will. Um, so people will be able to watch the Tamashi events at some point in the future. But for me personally, it was it was bittersweet, but it was also great to see the Velocities mix it up with someone like Kenta because yeah. Kenta's been such an influential wrestler to people of like my generation and, you know, maybe a little bit to the Velocities are a little younger than me. Um, so to see them, you know, take it to him and then, Unfortunately, you know, Jude London got hit with the, the GTS, so um, the go to sleep. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was unfortunate, but it was also like a surreal experience for me as a fan to see that, like a friend of mine go through that. And then Mick Moretti versus Ishimori was an incredible match. I, I really want people to go out of their way to see that when it does come to light. So, yeah, it, it's just going to be a great opportunity to have that New Japan name, to have more new Japan talent come to Australia mix it up with our talent here and then uh, hopefully create more eyes and opportunities for Australian New Zealand talent as well. Yeah, man. Um, I'm su- I was super excited about it too when it got announced. Cause I'm like, new Japan has a very good crop of like diversity already. So like, why not just like let that flourish and let that, you know, go wild and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, as I'm reading uh, the behind, I guess not really the behind the scenes, but you know, the the news on New Japan and, and their like review, uh, you called out Ishimori for his uh, IWGP junior heavyweight championship. Yeah, well, it was kind of strange to let the first New Japan Tamashi event end with Ishimori beating McMurray and just walking to the back. Like, at least talk to the fans. It's a New Japan staple. You got to, if you're in the main event, get on the stick, talk to the fans. So I wasn't going to let it end that way. And I was like, you know what? I've done this once before. I'm going to shoot my shot. And what I said was, if Ishimori is successful at Wrestle Kingdom Uh and defends that championship, then why not come back to Sydney and wrestle me in front of my hometown and see if he can defend the title in that situation? But... As a, a little exclusive for you, Marie, okay. let's just say who else we got? We got El Desperado. We've got Hiromu yeah. Takahashi. We've yes. got Master Wato. If any yes. of them walk away with that IWGP junior title from Wrestle Kingdom from Taiji Shimori, and they're more than welcome to come to Australia as well and fight me in Sydney. That's I'll just leave oh, that there. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, this cheesy-ass smile is going to stay on because um, I – I adore like the junior division. Like it's so different. It's very uh, unique. And I'm like New Japan just freaking pushed them. Like they're they're all like freaking good and everything. So whichever combination happens, I'll be there. Like I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit about that. Um, I'll be there to support and stuff like that for for that man. Like I would just love it. Um, 
but yeah, um, I guess because like you know, Ishimori is is the bad guy, so he doesn't care about the fans, so he's just gonna go to the back and whatnot. Which um, since there were Bullet Club members there, uh, did you guys get like a reunion? Like, did you go say hi to them by any? Point? No, fuck those guys. We've already spoken about that. <laughs> I just wanted to see if like be like, oh hey, there goes Kenta. You know, Kenta who did not bring his book. Um, you know, so in terms of the crowd reaction because um i think that australian crowds um judging from like the pictures and everything it's one big happy family where everybody is like you know supportive and loud and like cheering and stuff um do you do you like i mean obviously you're from australia so you're gonna probably pick australia but do you like um united states fans more or like australian fans like which is your favorite I don't think you can pick either over the the other because they're very different to one another. They don't, they're not par and par the same. Um, I feel like when I get to wrestle in front of the the, the US uh, fan base, they're probably a lot more knowledgeable because they get more opportunity to see more wrestling. Um, okay. For example, AEW is not on cable television here in Australia, so people have to find an alternative way to watch it. So okay. the only wrestling that a lot of Australian people do know as like a majority and mainstream is WWE. So anything outside of that is more niche and obscure. And there is a market for it. Like it, just from the New Japan Tamashi turnout in Sydney, like it was a packed house, basically sold out. Um, hundreds of tickets gone. Like that's a great turnout for a, a Japanese product to come to Australia. Yeah. Um but I've seen people wearing AEW t-shirts and stuff like that. So the the way that the crowds react is a little bit different. I think it's just because of the amount of wrestling that they consume. So there is a minority in Australia that are that diehard, die watch everything. They're on, you know, your IWTVs, your fight app, like they're watching every bit of wrestling they can and they're into it and they know every move the wrestler does. They know their pose, yeah. they know their music, they know everything. But that's very much on the minority side of things. Whereas I find in the States, it's more 50-50. If not, it pushes to that minority as the majority. And like people are more knowledgeable. Like they know about a wrestler as like as they're coming in for the first time rather than going into it as an unknown. So I like both for different reasons. You know, if I wrestle here in Australia, it's my home. So I get to connect with them on a very like again i use this word a lot but local level and i actually yeah. turned to um when we're doing the meet and greet uh at new japan tamashi i turned to aaron solo because we were sharing a table and i said i could probably name a good portion of these fans by first name because i've mm -hmm. seen them so many times over so many shows and like i'm pretty good with like faces and names um so like you know there was lots of people that i'm quite friendly with uh, I don't go and catch up with them for coffees and hang out with them on the weekends or anything like that. But yeah. because I've been appreciate, and that's me appreciating the fans that have been there for my come up, I guess, and been a part of the journey, you know, like if they're going to show their support for me, I'm going to make sure that I go out of my, like, well, I don't even have to go out of my way, but I remember them for that support that they give. Um, I guess, whereas the U S fans, it's a little different. Like I don't wrestle in the U S as often. So I'm still building yeah. that fan base over there, but they're really energetic. They love the wrestling. And like, if, if it's a new Japan show, if it's, uh, you know, where I've, I've wrestled for VXS recently, 
those mm. those fan bases know who you are as you come in and they get behind you and it's it's an incredible atmosphere at a lot of whether it's independent new japan or other uh other promotions in the u.s so yeah no i like i like both for separate reasons um but it would be I mean, dream of mine is to have people come from the US to watch Australian shows and come from Japan to watch Australian shows. So hopefully as we progress, uh, mm-hmm. 2023 looks like a pretty good year for stuff like that to happen. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, man. I would love to travel to Australia just to like hang out, uh, like just be around wrestling and stuff like that. I would love to. Uh, your biggest fan is also in the uh, the chat and she says, uh, Robbie is one of the best at building connections with the fans. Um do you have a um, a fan story that is close to your heart during one of your meet and greets? I kind of want to predict that that's maybe Bonnie in the chat, but um, yes, yeah. So no, yeah. what's up, Bonnie? Thanks for your support. <laughs> of course, I know who it is. Um, sorry, what was your question again? It was about the fan. Uh, like, yeah, like basically, like, uh, do you have a story that you want to share that you kept one close to your heart, like during meet and greets? Uh See, like, I can't think of one that sticks out right now, but some people really come with some really heartfelt things. Like there was uh, uh, someone that spoke to me not long ago in like a DM and I've since met him and he's um, he's also got a podcast and stuff. Uh, but uh, I think he's one of the members of We Work Stiff and his name yeah. is Red. And he told me that I inspired him to go on a weight loss journey. And, you know, that's not something that I would think would happen because I'm just little old Robbie. I, uh, I just wrestle and do what I enjoy doing and what I'm passionate about. And then what I've done as something that, you know, when I was a child dream of doing has inspired him to go and do something to make himself healthier or better or just feel better. Um, that's, that's incredibly touching, uh, things like that. Like, if I get to do, you know, birthday shout outs or special messages through things like cameo and stuff for people, that stuff is, is incredibly gratifying to me. Um, when people say, Hey, you're this person's favorite wrestler. It's their 30th birthday. Wish them a happy birthday. Please let them know they're the best friend, husband, wife, whatever it may be. Like Mm -hmm. that stuff is really cool because again, I'm still just, I'm just little Robbie. And the fact that (laughs) people come to me for that sort of stuff is really touching. So I think just, the support that the fans have shown, but also like what I do has a bigger meaning for them is such an incredible thing that I'll never fully grasp. I'm just super appreciative that they, that they watch what I do and they enjoy it. That's awesome. Um, So I have one last topic about wrestling and then I really just want to get quickly into like the weird ass like slang that like we have and whatnot. Um, The last uh, wrestling topic is that I did a little more research, right? Because whenever uh, you're wrestling and like Kevin Kelly is on commentary, on commentary, and you're and you have your submission, the Ron Miller special, um, I actually decided to look up who Ron Miller is because I don't really know anything about it. And man, I was treated to like three different matches that I adore, and I understand like why he was so important to. Australian wrestling and like the contributions he made and like because the way that I look at wrestling is that like I really analyze it and I break it down and I explain why like psychology is important why character building is important like I really go in depth and like everyone else can like attest to that so just watching him I was like oh I I I was like treated for the whole entire thing um what like when was the first time you discovered 
Ron Miller? Well, I was uh, privy to him as a wrestler just from my initial training because the the Ron Miller special, the hold that I used the inverted figure for, was actually my first finishing move that was taught to me by Ryan Eagles, one of my coaches. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, we, we weren't calling it the Ron Miller special back then, but once I kind of w- like was shown that move, I was like, where did this technique come from? I've never seen it before. And then Ryan kind of told me about Ron Miller and uh, yeah, it was just something that like came to light. There was also like a, um, a little documentary that came out on uh, was like free to air TV here in Australia called rough, tough and real. And what it talked about was the older days of professional wrestling when it was in the spotlight in Australia, when it was on uh, broadcast television and Ron Miller was featured heavily on that. So I do remember okay. watching that as well. But it wasn't really until maybe 2015, 2016, where I kind of reconnected with that that history of Australian wrestling. And in 2017, I started applying that hold again in my matches. And that's yeah. when I was like, hey, I think I'm onto something here because everyone looks at me as like just this high-flying wrestler. I'm actually going to come at them with a the different approach. And, you know, I'll, I'll come from above but strike below is kind of one of the mottos that I that I like to incorporate. And then that was what would set up the Ron Miller special. So for me, it's just it's homage about how much he did for us. And, you know, he probably doesn't realize the, the gravity that that all holds on Australian wrestling today because even though after his kind of time in the sun, wrestling went off TV and then became, became mm-hmm. more obscure from like a local level his history in what he did wrestling people like harley race wrestling people like andre the giant and all these people that would come to australia when it was a territory and they you know defend their championship against him or try to fight him for the australian championship Mm -hmm. you know that stuff is so incredibly important because it shows that we were on the same level as these big stars from around the world so i i think it's 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 super important he's such a, a pillar for Australian wrestling. I'm still vying for the opportunity to, to meet him because he is still around, but like doesn't have any involvement in pro wrestling. Um, I I have heard that he likes to stay a little bit more in the shadows. So that's cool too. Yeah. But if, if there's any opportunity for me to at least, you know, thank him for what he did accomplish in his career and sending us up to be recognized as on par with the world's best, then, you know, that's, that's the least that I could do. Cause man, the three matches that I got introduced to were like top-notch matches. And I know that um, when people watch this or listen to this, they're so used to modern wrestling that like if they go and watch it, they'll be like, oh, what is this? You know, because uh, I got hyped over the fact that he was working a hammerlock <laughs> just, just mm-hmm. because of how him how him and uh, the Golden Terror were selling it. I was like, why am I getting so hyped up over this? Like like a good hype, not like, you know, anger or whatever, but like a very good hype. Um. So, like, I'm very, like, old school type, you know, uh, person that watches wrestling and talk about it. So I was really happy to actually go and, like, do the research and, like, actually figure out that the Ron Miller special is a wonderful um, submission and not just a random name. Because sometimes wrestlers name their stuff, like, very random stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, Which leads me to my next question about uh, when you do the Turbo Backpack, uh, what inspired you to, like, get that move or do that move so that move actually has a long-running history um i actually more or less stole it from my buddy matt diamond who did a variation of the turbo backpack when we were backyard wrestlers which is not a uh an unknown fact for a lot of us here in australia and even around the world i think he did 
borrow the move from another wrestler in the US that maybe dabbled in backyard wrestling and also had like a independent wrestling career as well. Um, but I can't be certain who came up with it first, but I, I did put my own spin on it where I turn it into more of a Minchinoku driver. It's a little bit different mm-hmm. to the one that Matt used to use, but the, um, the, the name turbo backpack actually comes from like an original internet meme video. It's like an early YouTube kind of meme of like this kid. He, I don't know, he's probably like 12 or 13 years old and he's on his webcam and he's doing like exercises. Uh, he's doing exercises and uh, he starts just doing like really fast squats and he calls it the turbo backpack. And myself and Dunkzilla Davis from Aussie Open watched this video back in like 2011, 2012. And we thought it was the funniest thing. And then I used that for the name. So that's that's where the name comes from. It also does come from the <laughs> fact that one of my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movies of all time is Jingle All the Way, which he okay. becomes Turbo Man. And then my latest t-shirt for the Turbo Backpack in New Japan, uh, which is still available online, is very much inspired by Turbo Man and Jingle All the Way. All right. So now that we're done with the wrestling stuff, I guess I could just ask you like the random questions that I, I have. I always ask wrestlers that come on here this one question about um, like there are so many different promotions, there's so many different uh, championship belts um, in no particular order. Um, what are your top five uh, favorite championship belts? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'd probably say number one is the WCW Cruiserweight title just because that's what I grew up watching and that's what inspired me to eventually become a professional wrestler. Um, I would then say what is, you know, had become the world heavyweight title, but the WCW heavyweight title from that late 90s period as well, just because they were the two main belts that I was watching on that program. Um, oh, Oh, my gosh. Number three would have to be the original IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship just because of the historical significance of that title even being a thing. It created a division for the juniors, which then allowed us to compete in higher profile matches, which is, you know, something that's helped me in my career to where I've gotten to. And I've been fortunate enough to hold a variation of that belt. Number four would be the... Oh, what is it? The smoking skull belt that Stone Cold okay. had <laughs> just because I was such a big Stone Cold fan when I was growing up. And I thought that belt was like absolutely incredible. And the fact that people could get custom belt belts made when they won championships, I thought was like awesome. Uh, and then five, I'm just trying to think what it might be. I did always, again, this is part of like what I grew up watching the, the WWF hardcore title just cause like it was so unique. Um, it's not the prettiest championship to look at, but it's definitely one of those ones that I vividly remember uh, from my childhood. And I probably had like the, not the replica, but like the, the Kmart $10 championship belt with Velcro on the back that the kids would get. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had that for the hardcore title at one point. What is one fact um, from Australia that you wish everybody knew? but don't know one thing i guess it would be that yes we have plenty of things that are deadly and can kill you (laughs) 
but it doesn't mean that I have them in my backyard. It doesn't mean that they're crawling all about the place. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm contradicting myself because just yesterday I found what's called a redback spider in my, my guest bedroom. Oh um, man. On, on like the bed sheet, it was kind of like had made a web on the bed sheet and they're, they're not like deadly deadly, but they're still pretty bad. How big is the spider? Is it like tiny? It was, big? it's tiny, but it's got like this really bright red glow on its back um and they they're actually even though they're very small their legs are quite long for the shape of their body so they're like still not cool to look at they're they're, they're terrible and anyone that's followed me on social media on twitter and instagram the last couple of days um i had what is australia's nightmare happen to me when i was driving and i felt something crawling up my leg and then i looked down as i was driving and i had what's called a huntsman spider which is probably as big as my hand um so they're huge uh, not deadly, not vicious in any way. They very rarely even bite people. Um, but that was crawling on my leg. I flicked it away in panic, tried to not swerve on the road, kept driving to my destination. And then when I got out of my car, I could no longer find the spider. Um, I've since found him. Uh, he was in one of my air vents for my air conditioning. Uh, but he since has crawled to a new location, which I have not found. So uh, he's he's still living in my car somewhere. Damn, that that sounds like man. I don't know. I I, I think that I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I don't like creepy crawlers as it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not great with spiders or bugs of any kind really. But um, you know, I could have dealt with that a lot worse than I did. So I'm just glad I didn't have a car accident when it happened. Yeah, um, which is the the plus side. You know, nothing nothing bad happened. Um, what is one thing that you don't understand about um, America when you come over here? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Tipping, tipping. tipping. Like I get it, I get it, but I always forget about it when I'm there for the first time, just because mm -hmm. it doesn't exist here in Australia. It is absolutely not something you do in Japan. So for yeah. me on like a regular basis, I'm so not accustomed to tipping. And then I never know how much is too little, how much is too much. Like, I guess there's never too much, but you know, I don't want to insult the person, but at the same time, if I think something, if it reads on the menu that it's $18, then I'm expecting it to be, you know, $18 plus the tax. Okay, cool. And then you're going to hit uh -huh. me up for more. Come on. Like I get it's because of like the wages and stuff like that. I understand how it works, but I just really think, you know, if the States could get to like where Australia is in terms of like the minimum wage being higher and then all that sort of stuff, just supporting them and then eliminate tipping because it just confuses us foreigners. That would be great. <laughs> Man, I wish I've uh, been here for like 31 years and like, it still doesn't make any sense. Like doesn't really at all. Um, so what other, uh, cool colloquial uh, colloquial words, uh, can you teach me? Can I just call uh, it slang? Yeah, you can call it slang. I mean, it's, okay. it's all just, it's all just slang at the end of the day. Uh, I'm just trying to think what's appropriate. Um, so like we would you, say, you, you could be uh, struth. Okay. So struth is, you know, commonly a, someone's name, a woman's name maybe, but we would say it like struth like in reaction. So it might be like a, it's kind of in place of an exclamation mark or a shock and surprise kind of expression. Oh, okay. Um, so if you told me that you won the lottery tomorrow, I'd say struth. That's good. That's interesting. You know, yeah. cause over here in, in New York, it's all like curse words and, and stuff. So like you'll hear like 
fuck? You know? <laughs> oh, we we, like, we have we have that as well. It's the it's the C word, so I don't want to say it on air. So, oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Got it, got it. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I'm it not gonna take US based people. So what? I'm I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I it's not the first time that I that I would hear it, but if they get upset, I'll just be like, yo, you can like uh donate me money. You, you watch the stream, right? Like you can donate me money. That's what I do when people get upset. I mean, if they get angry, I'd be like, bro, here's my here's my PayPal. You know, I need the money. You obviously want to spend your energy. So let's so let me have money. Um that's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I really do. So Last but not least, I know we did not touch yet on Super Junior uh, Tag League. So, by all means, uh, you can bury everyone in the Tag League. You can tell people about it because, you know, it might just be you and Tiger Mask going all the way to uh, Tokyo Dome, to Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, that's the plan, Marie. Uh, We're the only team that was in the previous Super Junior Tag League. I think we're the only team that has been in another Super Junior Tag League. So realistically, we're the team to beat. Doesn't matter about Akira and TJP being the champions. They've got to beat us. It doesn't matter about, you know, Yo and Leo Rush having this this big kind of momentum riding into them being a team and representing chaos. It doesn't matter about any of that. All that matters is about Flying Tigers creating the same thing that we did last year. We're going to create momentum. We're going to go in. We're going to win the IWGP Junior Tag Titles at Wrestle Kingdom because that's exactly what we did after the last Super Junior Tag League. We went on to become the tag champions. And we're just going to put everyone down. I'm really looking forward to kicking Chris Bay and Ace Austin in the head. I'm really looking forward to getting Show and Dick Togo and putting Dick Togo in the Ron Miller special and making him tap and cry like a baby. And then all the other matches just have me straight up excited. I get to wrestle Kushida. I get to wrestle Kevin Knight. I guess they wrestle Clark Connors. I mean, the list is incredible. The Super Junior Tag League this year is is going to be amazing. And uh, I'm very excited to get back to Tokyo on Sunday. Yeah, um, which is great. I'm going to be covering it too. And by the way, for anyone listening and watching this after everything is done, uh, Robert Eagles and Tiger Mask were the IWGP um, Junior Tag Champions before. And they had an amazing run. So, you know... You know, I guess two times the charm, right? We could say that two times the charm. Yep, we're just looking to go back to back. <laughs> two times the charm. Uh, it's definitely going to be a great um, Super Junior Tag League running at the same time as World Tag League and stuff. So everyone in Super Junior Tag League, watch out for Tiger Mask and uh, Robbie Eagles. Um, so I've had a very fun chat. Um, so I'm gonna give you the floor again. If you want to put yourself over, uh, you can go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I just want to thank everyone for the continued support that they give me, that they give Australian Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please continue to keep your eyes peeled for everything PWA, for everything New Japan Tamashi, uh, for everything New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, uh, you know, if you want to find me on social media, at Robbie Eagles underscore, uh, you know, I've got a Pro Wrestling Tea store. Uh, I also am on Wrestler Merch for those that are more on the oceanic side of things. Uh, go to those websites to find my merchandise. And uh, please tune in to the Super Junior Tag League starting on uh, November 21st, uh, Japanese, Australian time, and uh, follow along as the Flying Tigers sort of victory. 
All right. That was amazing. So again, guys, thank you for tuning in and uh, watching this. This was fantastic. I'm your host, Marie Shadows. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Marie underscore Shadows. Make sure to follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Marie underscore Shadows. And last but not least, make sure to sign up to my newsletter where there's more wrestling content over there, marieshadows.substack.com. For everyone that has joined us, I will see you guys tomorrow with some more uh, content. And everyone, have a good night.